Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Living in Hope. I am your host, Cassie Merritt. Okay, so this is part two of Davy Blackburn's interview. So before we dive into the second part, I thought I would kind of refresh our minds a little bit about what happened in part one, what Davy shared with us. So of course, he shared the very dark part of his story, which was the murder of his wife, and she was pregnant at the time. So not only did he lose his wife, but he also lost his unborn child. As you can imagine, he held on to a lot of anger and a lot of confusion on why would God allow something like this to happen to him? Why would he take his wife away from him? But luckily, Davy always had a very close relationship with Christ, as well as his wife. And I think that's truly what he held on to to get him through all this. He saw God's hand begin working in his life, not only in the present, but of course in the past, even before Amanda, his wife, was murdered. He saw that God was preparing him for this. And I know that's really hard to understand, but it is truly a big part of Davy's healing process. But before our interview came to an end in the first part, I asked Davey about something I heard in another of one of his podcasts, and that was him talking about forgiveness and forgiving the men who murdered his wife. And he is about to dig into that with us, show us what that process looked like and how he's still going through that process and how God led him to knowing that that is something he has to do. So get ready, you guys, to have your mind blown. I mean, I had goosebumps the whole entire time he shared about this with me. It's just you can see God's hand throughout it all, and I absolutely love it. So enough from me. Let's go ahead and dive into part two of Davy Blackburn's interview. Enjoy. old youth pastor that reached out to me and we started, we had coffee and we were talking about everything that had happened and, you know, and, and he lived downtown in kind of a rough area of town. Part of his ministry is incarnational ministry where they live and just serve the people there who are kind of in systemic poverty situations. And he goes, I'll be honest with you, Davey, like living on the street that we live on, like we fear some of those kinds of things, someone breaking into our house or like, and this is even more heightened our fear for this. And he said, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, bring up anything for you, but the, the car, the getaway car from Amanda's murder was found on our street. Wow. Oh my goodness. And so I'm sitting here going like, Whoa, wait a minute. Hold on a second. What? And he, I've known this pastor for a while, you know, as Amanda's old youth pastor. And I, I'm like, man, well, I told him about that concert. I said, man, I just like, I just feel like part of what I'm supposed to do, like what God's thrusting me into is to figure out how do we intercept kids and teenagers in this? Like, how do we help them to not go down this path? And he goes, yeah, I have felt the same way. I want to introduce you to a pastor who's actually in this particular area of the city that was close to where you and Amanda lived. Wow. I'm like, okay, cool. Wow. So I uh, kind of tucked that away. Yeah. I put it in my, the, my back pocket later that day. I'm sitting with someone in our church and he goes, Hey, I have a pastor friend who has been blowing my phone up to talk to you since Amanda was killed. It happened to be Cassie, the same exact pastor that this other one was referring me to. Oh, wow. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, that's a God thing, right? Absolutely. So anytime, anytime God begins to bring things up multiple times to you, that's a Absolutely. trail that you need to go down and go, okay, yes. God, what are you doing? Where are you leading me? So I'm like, yes. okay. So I call this pastor, we sit down and in this, he's a black pastor and he begins to talk to me about systemic poverty in our city and all, you know, and he basically educates me for two hours. At the end of the conversation, he goes, how do you feel about these men? The men that killed a man, how do you feel about him? And I'm like, man, uh... Well, you know, it's a journey right now. I'm trying to sort through all of that. He said, how do you feel about their family members? I'm like, what do you mean? Family? I haven't thought about their family members. He said, well, Davey, they feel like that you are bitter at them. I said, what do you mean they feel like? He said, I have some friends who have been fostering the guys who killed Amanda. Wow. Wow. So then he says, let me tell you his story. And he proceeds to tell me what he knows of Larry Taylor's story. And in that moment, Cassie, I completely broke down. Because now, for some reason, and for like a split moment, I didn't see Larry Taylor as an 18-year-old who had shot and killed my wife. I saw him as that 12-year-old who nobody intercepted him. Wow. Davey. Wow. That's uh, goosebumps. And so that's, that was my journey. You know, that's not something you can manufacture. That's not something you grab a book and you start to, that's the journey that God took me on. And so while it sounds crazy that like, then I came to that discovery descriptively of, oh, when you start to learn somebody's story, it gives you empathy and the horrific things that they do. There's, there is an explanation for it in some ways. And if you can kind of trace that back and go, okay, what is driving this, this hatred, this contempt, this, you know, it begins to help you to see people the way Jesus sees them. Wow. This is why Jesus can be on the cross and, and look out at his perpetrators and say, father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And you're like, well, that's Jesus. That's, you know, that's the son of God, baby. This is why Stephen in Acts chapter seven, while he's being stoned, can say, Father, forgive them. But it can only be done through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy yeah. Spirit is the one that empowers you in that. He leads you on that journey and, and you just open your heart up to that and he can he can help that bitterness to be released. Wow. So that is just, I got goosebumps all over me because mm-hmm. that, is, that would be the hardest part for anybody to have to go through forgiveness. And that's like the last thing people would put on their list, right? The last thing they would even think about, but God almost put all these stepping stones in front of you of like, no, you Mm -hmm. are going to forgive these men because that's what God asks from us as Christians, right? To forgive those. That's exactly right. And that is just so big. I feel like probably a huge part of your healing process was that right there. Massive part of it. And it's a massive part of, I believe, everybody's healing process, no matter what pain and trauma you've gone through. We have a course called the pain to purpose course, Cassie, and we take people through, it's kind of an 11 video pathway of walking out your valley, whatever trauma, tragedy, or, you know, major life transition that you're going through. And waypoint three, there's 10 waypoints. Waypoint three is release your bitterness. And people tell us over and over and over and over and over how profound and how much of a breakthrough moment that waypoint is for them. Because in our pain and trauma, we're bitter at one of three things, if not more than one, but we're bitter at either God. Yep. Right. 
Yeah. How could you let this happen? How could you do this? How did you not intervene? You know, how mm-hmm. did you, by the way, I know this sounds trite, but take it from somebody who's going through a really difficult time. God doesn't always intervene to prevent in our lives, but he always intervenes to produce in our lives, to produce something wow. great. His yeah. word promises that, wow. that he may not prevent something happening from, you know, from happening in your life, but he is going to work it out into something really beautiful and good if you trust him with it. But, you know, people are bitter at God. People are bitter at other people. And some people, you know, the pain and trauma they're dealing with is because of their own decision. They're bitter at themselves. Yeah. And it's imperative to begin to learn how to release that bitterness, unclog it, you know? Right. Wow. That's huge. What was that course called again? It's called the pain to purpose pain course. To purpose yeah. Course. Okay. Um, my, my pain to Okay. My pain to purpose And it's just a step-by-step process for whatever pain and trauma you're going through. Mm-hmm. We have people from the all gamuts of life that walk through it, mm-hmm. um, whether it's loss or whether it's, you know, some kind of like childhood trauma or abuse or, yeah. you know, we've even got but we've got women who are walking through it right now who they've, they've had an abortion and they're walking through it because they, they feel some kind of regret or remorse from that. And they want some healing from that. So it's, it's really just the, what we consider the common denominators of a pain journey mm. according to scripture and how to heal well through those things. Got you. Wow. That's awesome. I'll make sure to link that in the description as well. So I have to ask, did you talk to those foster parents then? No. We're, the timing's not right? Yeah. Amanda's jury trial has not happened yet as oh, of wow. the time of this recording. I don't know when this is releasing and I don't know when the trial is going to actually happen. Right. But it hasn't happened yet. Oh, it wow. It continues to get pushed back for many reasons. Well, technically, there's a few things that I'm not able to talk to the men at all and I'm not able to talk to the foster parents. I'm not able to, because I'm considered a witness in the case and there's a law about separation of witnesses. Mm. Is that something you want to do? I would say it's not something I want to do, yeah. but it's something I feel like I'm supposed to do. I mean, who wants to walk out a story like that, right? Like Absolutely nobody not. wants no. to. Yeah. But here's the thing. There was a story that was so profound to me even before I met Amanda, and that's the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Many of your listeners might be familiar with Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. If not, you need to go and research the story. But the basically the story goes they were uh, missionaries in South America with a bunch of other families and Jim and some of the men, they would fly a plane over this unreached people group and drop resources and supplies on this unreached people group to try to a kind of a peace offering. Like, Hey, we come in peace. We'd love to come and just like, you know, be with you. Their intent, their goal was to share with them the gospel and, you know, provide yeah. needs or anything like that. Wow. Well, this group was pretty hostile and, and violent or they had a reputation for it. So that's why they're flying this plane over. Well, one time they felt like they got a reciprocation of the peace offering. They're like, okay. So they decided to land these men, land the plane and start to go and, and talk to the, the tribal leaders and the tribe, this unreached people group slaughters every single one of these men while their wives are listening on shortwave radio. Oh Jim, Jim wow. Elliott was one of those guys and Elizabeth was hearing this. Elizabeth later, years later, goes back into this region, goes back to this tribe and shares the gospel with them. And they were so marked by her courage to go back and do this. This whole tribe ends up receiving Christ. 
Oh, man. So, <sighs> Talk about forgiveness. Oh, my goodness. I, I have a sense that God is thrusting us as a family into that kind of a story. And while I don't know if we're ready for it or if we even want to, what we've learned is that when you just walk the story out that God has for you, when you trust him, and even when things are difficult, when you still lean into that and, and obey, it turns out beautiful. Mm. There's something really redemptive and beautiful that happens if we just trust the Lord in it. Mm. It seems so simple, but it yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just, you said so many major words there. Trusting in God and obeying mm-hmm. are the two big ones that, yep. and forgiving is another, those are all really hard things we you know, we struggle even as Christians, we struggle with those things, but there's so much reward behind those things. Mm -hmm. So much healing behind those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Isaiah 30 is one of my favorite passages of scripture, but in it, it says, though he give you the bread of adversity and the waters of affliction, the teacher will hide himself no more. He will be like a voice whispering to you. This is the way walk in it. Mm, And so what that means is when we go through difficult things, those are the times where God lean. He wants to lean in with us yes. and say, Hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got a path for you. If you'll just follow my voice, I'll teach you the way to walk in this to where you can thrive no matter what trial you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. That's all God wants for us. He wants to be there yeah. with us and guide us through anything and everything. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. That, that is so a huge part of your life. But you have another amazing and beautiful part of your life, and that is now your marriage with Christy. Yep. Could you share a little bit with us about that? Yeah. Okay. So about uh, about a year and, and maybe four months after Amanda passed away, okay, I was I was going to a CrossFit gym, and a girl walks into this gym, and it's you know kind of one of the first times I really noticed somebody other than you know, Amanda, which is a bizarre thing, right? You're like so devoted to this one person. You think you're going to spend your life, the rest of your life with this one person. And then all of a sudden she's not there and it's this heartache, brokenness. And then you're healing and you're trying to refigure out who you are in Christ and your own identity. You start thinking, man, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to remarry or may, I don't, you know, really know you're fumbling your way through it is what you feel like. But I'll never forget the moment she walks into this CrossFit gym. And it's like one of those like angelic, you know, like <laughs> kind of moments. I actually yeah. think the sun was setting in the background, you know, and so it's like I just see Light this was like form. Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> she walks in, and I'm like, "Who is that?" You know, and but of course, my prayer through the whole thing as I was really healing through stuff and thinking, "Am I, am I supposed to remarry?" So I remember praying, "God, if you ever bring me another wife, here's here's what I am requesting. I want her to love you, Jesus, more than she loves me." That was Amanda. She was passionately in love with Jesus. I know a great, fruitful marriage. Both people have to have their priority in their relationship with Jesus and love Jesus. The the closer each of us get to Jesus, right? It's like this triangle. The closer each of us get to Jesus, the closer we get to each other. And there's an intimacy that we Mm. share because of that. So I want her to love Jesus more than she loves me. I want her to love Weston. I want her to love me because I, I mean, that would be nice, right? Yeah, but I want that her to would love be good. Weston. <laughs> I want her to love Weston, my son, you know, as if he, she, he is her own. And I, and I want I want her to love Amanda because that's part of my wow. story. Yeah. And wow. so this girl comes walking in the CrossFit gym. I'm going, I don't know anything about her. She's really cute, but I don't know if she loves Jesus. I don't know. So I, well, I make my way over to this circle and we're all there stretching and stuff. And I'm listening to their conversation. I promise it wasn't, it didn't, it wasn't creeper-esque. It <laughs> Not was very creepy, smooth, okay. <laughs> very smooth. 
<laughs> and I hear her talking about that they went to a KB concert and KB's a Christian rap artist. And I'm like, okay, there's a, that's a good sign, yep, Christian. That's a good one. Yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah. And so I just kind of had my eye on her. Well, then she starts coming to my church. There were several people in our CrossFit gym started, you know, coming to the church that I pastor and she'd walk in, walk out, walk in. And she would never give me the time of day, you know, and I'd kind of like, <laughs> play it hard to, to get. You know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, you know, trying to make eyes with her or something in the lobby, like even just like, oh, hey, great to see you today. You know, just like the cordial Christianese church going type thing, right? right? Not working whatsoever. Could not get her attention. Anyway, couldn't get in a conversation with her. Well, finally, months later, I'm coming into the CrossFit gym and I'm finishing the manuscript of my book, Nothing is Wasted, which has not released because I can't release until after the trial is done. Okay. Okay. But I'm finishing the manuscript to turn it into the publisher. I'm literally, Cassie, asking God, God, would you just show me the God story? Like, you have a redemptive story in this. I want to encourage people with redemption. How to show me the God-sized story in my story. Take a break from writing. Go to the gym to work out. Christy's walking out of the gym. And I, I'm like, <laughs> hey, I stop her. I, like, corner her pastorally. And I go. Corner her pastorally. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I said, you're, you're, uh you've been coming to my church for a few months now. Like, I don't know anything about you. What's, what's your story? You know, yeah, what's your Jesus yeah. story, right? And she starts telling me her story. And all I pick up on her story is that she did missions work for a few years. I knew there was something interesting about her story though, because she would bring, she was a single mom. She'd bring her daughter and she'd oh, okay. her in the kids ministry. And okay. so I'm going, there's pain, there's brokenness yeah. somehow in this story. There's pain and brokenness in just about every single mom's story, right. you know? And so regardless of how that turns out. So I'm like, what's going on? She tells me her story and she tells me all I pick up on it. She's done mission work. And I'm like, oh, you're passionate about ministry. Well, at the time, Cassie, she had also been volunteering in our inner city ministry, which is this ministry we started out of our church to do exactly what I said earlier. And that's to intercept kids and teenagers. What? So what? she's oh serving gosh. in this neighborhood. She's serving in this neighborhood with us as our, our team that's doing this. And I'm going, who is this girl? She's like super cute, all, you know, like stylish fashionista coming into church. And then she's serving on Saturdays, getting her hands dirty with gloves and jeans and like, you know, helping wow. to pull the leaves out of people's gutters and stuff. This is, yeah. this is a remarkable girl. What's happening right yeah. now? So she tells me about the mission work and I'm like, Oh, you're passionate about missions. That must be why you're serving in our inner city ministry. She goes, well, actually, yes, but also my, my stepdad and my mom live in that neighborhood. And I'm like, hold on. You mean by choice? Because that is a rough neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Like he was like, she goes, yeah, that's, they feel like that's kind of their calling or, or mission is to, you know, really be in that neighborhood and help it. And I was like, wow, wow, that's amazing. I said, well, you know, the reason we're there is because of how Amanda was killed and what we're trying to do. And she goes, yeah, I know a lot about your story and I probably know more than what you want me to know or that you would want to know about. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, I'm hesitant to tell you this, but my stepdad is also one of the chaplains for the Marion County prison system, which is the prison. Marion County is the county we live in. She said, he's the one that has been assigned to the men who killed Amanda. He's been having regular conversations with them about Jesus. Stop. Oh my gosh. Wow. That I'll, I, I had to have, I mean, if you had a picture of what my face looked like, I'm sure it was like drop jaw deer in a headlights, like, and I could not form any other words out of my mouth, Cassie, in that moment, other than, do you want to go get some dinner sometime? (laughs) 
I was so shocked. Like, here's this girl that I had, I had noticed, I was kind of intrigued by. And then in one conversation, I'm finding out that she is just a couple of arm's length removed from the men who killed my wife. Her stepdad is sharing the gospel with these men. Mm. Oh my goodness. So this is what I mean by the journey that God has. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I feel like we're being thrust into that. And yeah. I'm going, I don't know if we, I don't know. Yeah. I don't feel adequate enough, but I'm like, well, God, all right, you, your grace goes before us and you're going to take care of it. And so uh, wow. long story short, I end up, I pursued her for a few more months. She kind of kept me at bay for those few months. She played hard to get. She didn't really want to have, you know, I, my story comes with a lot of complications and a lot of, you know, you kind of pastor and then someone who has a, a little bit more of a national story, you kind of feel like you're living in a glass, a glass bowl for, you know, most of what, right. know, there's a lot of people that have opinions about your life and what well, you should of course. do what you shouldn't. And of so course, she, yes. she didn't really want to much to do with that. But then after a couple of months, God started doing something really powerful in our interactions and we started dating. And When has he not? <laughs> Your whole story, my goodness. I know. Wow. So we got married in December of 2017 and we've been blending a family since and we've been trying to figure out what that looks like. And you've probably heard a lot of screams of our one-year-old <laughs> right? because just over a year ago, we had one of our own. So we've got oh. a seven-year-old, Natalia, who is from Christie's previous marriage. We've got a six-year-old, Weston, who's, you know, my son from my marriage with Amanda. And then we've got Cohen, who is 14 months old. And he's ours together. David, congratulations, really. That is so big. It's just so amazing to see your story play out and where you are today. And I think what's cool is that you're not, I have to be honest, you're not taking advantage of that. You are using your story. You're saying, Mm -hmm. okay, God, use me however yeah. you want. And you are sharing that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would always encourage people to share their story. There's nothing yeah. more encouraging than sharing your story because, uh, you're not the hero of your story. You know, mm. Jesus is the hero. Yeah. And, um, and, and when we share our story, we share the testimony of our, yeah, our, our struggles and our, our mistakes and our downfalls, our pitfalls and all of those things our valleys. But then when we also share what God's done in those, then he gets the credit and he mm. gets the glory. Mm. I love that so much. What is like the biggest takeaway from everything in your life that you've gone through? What is the biggest thing you've taken away from all of it? Um, there's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the, here's what I would say. This is, you know, if you boil everything down to what we try to do now in helping people, you know, we have a ministry called nothing is wasted. And the whole point of that is we want to help people partner with God to take back their story. I have run into, because of our story, we've had hundreds, if not thousands of people come to us and ask how they can navigate their own valley. And I've run into story after story after story after story after story of heartache, loss, pain, trauma, where people have gotten stuck in it. And it gives me a holy discontent because the enemy would love to take believers and use their trauma I mean, we're, we're in a world full of trauma. I mean, Jesus even said, there's going to be trouble in this world, right? It's not a matter of if you go through something difficult. It's a matter of when you go through something difficult. And the enemy that we have very real enemy, he wants to take our trauma and he wants to use it against us to neutralize us because God's got a, there's a God given purpose in every single one of us woven into us since the day that we were conceived. And the enemy wants to neutralize that because the more people who are on purpose, the more effective the kingdom of God is. 
And so the enemy's going to cause a lot of people to get stuck. And my holy discontent is you don't have to get stuck. And so, mm-hmm. so the whole point of what we do now as a ministry is we try to help people not just get unstuck, but partner with God to take their story back. But I'm reminded the, the way this came about was there's a, there's a story about King David in second Samuel, very obscure story. It's really, really, it's a cool story, but for whatever reason, this time period of King David's life, he was on the run from Saul. It was that whole season where, you know, right. Yeah. He was actually for the, or he had convinced the Philistines that he was fighting on their side. Right. What, what he was actually doing when he would go out and he would make these, you know, this marauding group and he would go and make these raids is he was kind of like raiding other enemy territories while he was hiding under the guise of being a Philistine. It's the craziest, coolest thing. Yeah. Well, he and his, he and his men come back to this camp and when they get back to the camp, everything's burned and their wives and their children are stolen. Right. And I remember reading this after Amanda passed away and I was like, I've never seen this before. King David's wife was stolen from him. Right. And I remember going, all right, God, what are you trying to tell me in this? The next thing that happened was amazing. He said, bring me the linen ephod. That's what David told. The linen ephod is also known as the garment of praise. So the first response that David says is, hey, bring me the garment of praise. It's the thing that the priest was was to wear when he walked into the the holy of holies, you know, and and I'm like, I would have said, like, bring me a sword or let's go bring me my horse. Or he says, bring me the linen ephod, which means that in the moment of tragedy, he puts on praise. Wow. He looks to the Lord and goes, Lord. Well, the linen ephod, he was also in a different time. He's noted as wearing the linen ephod when he's parading into the city after this valiant military conquest. And they're, you know, they're screaming out, Saul has slain his thousands. David is 10,000, right? He's dancing in the linen ephod. You remember the old song was like, I've become even more undignified than this, that whole, you know, thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. This is the linen ephod, right? So in David's most triumphant season of life and his most tragic season of life, he asks for the garment of praise. Huh. Wow. And God gives him an answer when he goes to the Lord and says, no matter what comes into or out of my life, I'm going to give you praise. The Lord says, and he goes, what, what should I do, God? And God says, go take him back. Mm. Wow. Go take him back. Yeah. And I feel like that right there is everybody's story. Mm. That the enemy somehow has stolen from us. Right? That's what Jesus said. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's stolen from us. And he's threatening our God-given purpose. And what God wants us to do is turn to him, no matter what's going on, tragedy, triumph, doesn't matter. Let's turn to him. God, what do we do next? And when we turn to him, he'll say, all right, let's go take the story back. Oh, so good. Oh, man. (laughs) That's probably the biggest thing that that I've learned through this whole thing. So that's what we just try to do. We try to help people take back their story. Oh, man. That is so good. I love that. You know, a little bit of history with my story. I keep hearing the kids and I'm like thinking my kids. I'm like, It's oh. your kids, my kids, I don't know. I don't know. But my kids aren't here, but I keep like, oh, my kids. It's that mommy, that yes. little alert that goes it's off on you. Alert. <laughs> but one of the biggest thing with my story is I felt so much pain and darkness and um, I felt alone. And I didn't have Christ in my life at that point. And my listeners know a little bit of my story. But God met me there in the deepest and darkest point in my life. And it was in that moment where I began seeing like, 
oh my gosh, God was working in my life throughout the whole entire time. And it's those little stepping stones I like to talk about throughout my life is like he was here, which this led me to here and this led me to here, which led me to here. And I think what I see from your story is those stepping stones. Those are just so big in people's lives. Even in your story where you lost your wife, like that is huge. And a lot of people wouldn't be able to come back from that. But the thing is, is God had all these things. You said it. You were able to see how God was preparing you for that. And then now look at where you are now. You're you're with a beautiful wife and you both have such a strong relationship in Christ and you're sharing your story with others. It's just those stepping stones. It's those stepping stones. You're not always going to see them, but they're there. Right. God is always there. And, and, and the minute that we begin to think that our story is about us yeah. is really the minute that our story is doomed Oh, because yeah. yes, God has some rich plans and this beautiful redemptive yep. story written for you. And he's going to bring you through all kinds of healing and he's going to bring you to joy. Yes, absolutely. But the joy, the portal to that is when you turn your story around to help other people mm. in theirs. That is so good. And that's when redemption begins, I believe. When you say, wait, this isn't about me. This is about me helping others and pointing others to Jesus. Yeah. Yep. That is so true. And that's like the biggest thing is you just literally hand your life. It's the moment you hand your life over to God. Yep. He starts using your life for great things to help other people in their trauma. And that is what, that's my passion. And I can see that's your passion (laughs) as well, is to help others through their trauma just by teaching them about God. Because he's the only one who can get us through anything, right? That's right. And he has so much love for us. Hmm. So much. So true. Well, I have one big question for you, Davey. I ask each, each of my guests this question, and it's what does hope mean to you? Mm, that's a great question. What does hope mean to me? Well, I think that hope, when it, when you boil it all down, hope is the assurance that God, that he's got this no matter how unnerving and uh, no matter how shaky and shifty your circumstance seems. Mm, you yeah. know, uh, hope is similar to, to faith and faith is scripture tells us the assurance of, of things not seen, right? It actually says that the yeah. hope for what we, we do not see or what we have. And so it's this, no matter what circumstances come my way, my joy is not predicated on my circumstances. I have something completely beyond this world that I look to, to derive my joy. And so the worst that could happen to me here on earth, I'm able to withstand and walk through that because of the hope that's beyond this. Hmm. You know, a lot of people, one of the things I remember the Lord really helping me see is that like you could see you know, my wife that's, that's killed, you could see that as the worst day of her life. I mean, it's the very end of her life, mm-hmm. but the worst day of her life from a worldly perspective became the best day of her life Wow! because she stood in front of Jesus. Wow. That's big. And that's, that is, and was, and always has been her first yeah. love. 
And so no matter the worst of anything that we could go through here on this earth pales in comparison to the glory that we get to experience one day wow. at the yeah. feet of Jesus. That's hope. And that's the hope that the world needs right now. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, man. Thank you so much for sitting here. Before we go, I would absolutely love it if you could pray for my listeners. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for everybody who's listening to this. You know their story. You know their journey. And I pray that right now, no matter where they've found themselves, that their eyes would not be down, that their face wouldn't be downcast, that their countenance wouldn't be forlorn, but they would look to you, that they would lift their eyes to you, Mm -hmm. they would see you, that you would make your presence more real and known than you ever have in their life right now. You're a personal God. You're you're a God that wants to, you want to enter in with us and dwell with us and be with us. And so I pray that every single listener right now, no matter what they're going through, they would open up their heart to experience that. And God, would this be one of those moments that are, are catalytic crossroad moments that they would look back on and say, man, I remember that moment I was sitting in the car or I was taking a walk and I heard this guy pray over me that the Lord would show up in my life. And he did. I pray that you would make it so mm-hmm. tangible, so palpable right now that there, it is undeniable that you are real and that you care about them. Mm-hmm. Help them to sense it and feel it and know it. And I pray that that reality would set them on a brand new trajectory. God, we love you. We know you're good. We know you're faithful. We know we can trust in you. And so we submit our lives to you. We submit our plans to you, our dreams, our hopes, our future. And you hold all of that. And uh, we trust you with them. You know, we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm, thank you so much. You guys, I really do hope and pray that Davy's story was able to bring some light into your life, maybe some encouragement or even just understanding, right? I just had so much fun recording this with Davy, and I would love to hear from you. What did you think of this interview? Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or even Facebook. I will also leave those in the description, of course. But anyways, that's it from me. I hope you guys come back this coming Monday for another awesome episode. Have a great rest of your week, you guys.